You're listening to Superman Forever Radio, episode 27. And that is the song Superman by The Academy Is off of the Sound of Superman CD, which you can buy at Amazon.com. And I will place a handy link in the show notes. And uh, the percentage of that purchase will actually go to help fund the podcast. Not that I'm making profit on it. Let's be clear on that. But welcome one and all to Superman Forever Radio, episode 27. I'm your mild-mannered host, J. David Weeder. And this episode is huge. I am very excited for this week, not only because I'm back for my one-week semi-regular hiatus, but we have guests, awesome guests. And because of that, uh, we won't be covering Superman the Animated Series as we normally do. Instead, we'll pick up next Sunday with one of the strongest episodes of the first season. However, you will not be disappointed. The writer, director, and producer of the upcoming film Superman Requiem, Gene Falaz, is joining us, as well as the Man of Steel himself, Martin Richardson, from that film. And then after that, to talk about Superman's recent controversy, Michael Bailey from Crisis to, of, uh, from Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the Superman homepage, will also be on the show. And before jumping into the show full on, I have a couple of quick announcements. One, the SFR Daily Planet didn't appear this week. I am aware of that, and I do apologize. It was primarily because of the de- of, uh, death of my family. And it will resume tomorrow and be back daily Monday through Friday, and as it happens on the weekends, and that's a solid promise. Two, you can now find me on another podcast where I talk the rest of the comic book world with Travis Pyle and John Oliver, who have both been guests on the show. Uh, The Walking Dorks podcast features a very simple premise, three friends and comic collectors talking comics. I know it's novel, but the three of us are really good about bickering about things like Quasar and Batman vs. Superman. So check that out at thewalkingdorks.blogspot.com. And that's all the announcements we have for this week. Uh, it's going to be a big week. Let's go ahead and play a promo and talk about some of the news I missed with the SFR Daily Planet. Come on, I have an idea that Batman should look into this. And don't forget Robin! Come on, chum. To the Batcave. It's the car, right? Chicks love the car. I don't play favorites. Every criminal must be brought to justice. Someday she just can't get rid of a bomb. I swear to God. Swear to me! Don't kill me! Don't kill me, man! I'm not going to kill you. I'd like you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. Legends of the Batman. Everything Batman from the beginning at BatmanLegends.com. 
And normally the news segment starts off with a specific sound clip of actor Jackie Cooper playing Perry White stating, we are sitting on top of the story of the century here, but unfortunately that is a voice that has been silenced. On May 4th, 2011, Jackie Cooper passed away at age 88. Uh, He'd been in the hospital with a sudden illness and uh, very sad, one of my favorite Perry Whites. Great addition to that original Superman cast. So, uh... You know, it's kind of interesting to know that Jackie Cooper was on, you know, part of the our gang crew and little rascals, if you will, and was nominated for an Oscar at age nine. So he leaves behind a very storied career, and we our thoughts and prayers, of course, go out to his family. And in another callback, George Reeves' birthplace was torn down. It's a his house in Wright County, Woolstock, Iowa. And that was where he was born, and it was taken down. But they are, uh, from what I understand, putting a memorial marker at the site for in the near future. So it's not all is not lost. And on a good note, Jeff Lemire's Superboy was nominated for an Eisner Award, which is excellent. If you have not been reading Superboy, we've got some time before we even get to it. It starts out slow, but man, does it pick up pretty quick. <laughs> so be looking for that. Uh, congratulations to Jeff Lemire on his Eisner nomination. And congratulations to Henry Cavill, who got engaged this week. Um, He proposed to his girlfriend, Ellen Whitaker. And I think Cavill's having a heck of a year getting cast as Superman. His movie, The Immortals, is coming out soon, which looks excellent. And uh, he's just having a heck of a year. So congratulations to to, uh, Henry Cavill. And uh, condolences uh, go out to Metropolis, Illinois, ho- uh, home of the Superman celebration, where I will be in just about a month, uh, just a little over. Um, at this point, with all the flooding, the water levels are actually, they've overtaken the Harris Casino there in town. Um, the town square, however, where the 15-foot statue of the Man of Steel is, where the Metropolis Museum or Superman Museum is, at this point, it is safe. So hopefully, you know, the floodwaters, they come, they do recede, and I hope uh, a quick recovery for the town of Metropolis. That's a place that means a lot to me. And recently I reported how a Superman plaque was stolen in Ohio. Pardon me, in Cincinnati. Cleveland. I'll get it right eventually. Cleveland, Ohio. It was a plaque honoring co-creators Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. That has been, that plaque has been returned and so the city that has is thankfully putting that back up. It was put up originally in 2003 at the 65th anniversary of Action Comics number one. And it, at this point, to be correct, we're not sure if it's the same plaque or they are going to go ahead and put another one. Because there was a very glaring spelling error on the original. One of the creator's names was misspelled. So hopefully they put up a new one with some correct uh, spelling. However, it's just nice to know that at least this story has a happy ending. So let's, you know, kind of bring ourselves back up by the bootstraps. Let's jump into this show and really get going. Next up, I'm going to have my interview with Gene Falaz and Martin Richardson of Superman Requiem, which I think you're all really going to enjoy. So let's hear this promo and jump right into that. Presenting the Amazing Spider-Man Classics Podcast Year 2. 
starring myself, John Wilson, along with Joshua Bertoni, Donovan Grant, and your favorite guest hosts of the comics podcasting community, bringing you the classic 1960s adventures of Peter Parker, Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy, and the gang, as told by Stan Lee, John Romita, Don Heck, Jim Moody, John Buscema, and more. And to kick the year off, we're running a special episode in March with... Uh, uh, hold on, wait a second. Hey there, webheads. 12 months ago, a very special podcast came onto your iTunes feed. And to celebrate 12 months of that podcast being on your iTunes feed, we thought we'd take you on a special date to the movies. And what a movie it is! Why, it's about our very own webhead spinner Spider-Man, the first installment of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, guest starring one of the Power Rangers. Oh boy, we're in for a good time. So strap yourself in, and here's the hosts. This isn't a way a podcast is supposed to work. Peter, you're seeing the Spider-Man Sam Raimi movie without me? Why no, Betty, I'm seeing it with all my friends, the amazing Spider-Man Classics listeners, and you're invited too. Even Liz Allen? Yes, Betty, even Liz Allen. Okay, as long as Ned can come. You know why I hate you, Leeds? Because you have a right to listen to this episode with Betty. The shadow of Spider-Man isn't standing between your earphones. Episode 28 kicks off the new year with an in-film commentary on the 2002 Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. And then we continue on in future episodes looking at the further adventures of Spider-Man, an amazing Spider-Man, spectacular Spider-Man, and every guest appearance and cameo we can find. Only at Amazing Spider-Man Classics, found on iTunes and at AmazingSpiderMan.Libsyn.com. And Superman Requiem is, I've, I've mentioned it before on the show, it's the other Superman film that's being made right now. And it's one that I'm very excited about because of the passion behind the project. It is a fan film, but it's more than that. It really is. And I... I'm very excited to see this because of the passion that I'm seeing from those making it. So I reached out and got in touch with Gene Fillets, the writer, producer, and director of the film, and Martin Richardson, who's portraying the Man of Steel in the movie. And they were very gracious to grant me an interview. And I think the following interview is going to explain a lot. I think you're going to find it exciting. And I just want to thank them both for being with me today on Superman Forever Radio. Mr. Fillets, uh, you have a quite an extensive array of film credits starting at an early age. How did you enter the film industry? Um, well, it's, it's been a bit of a long process, really. I've, I've always been involved in, in media in, in different sorts. I, mean, I started in, in radio initially as uh, presenting and doing some promotion works. And, and that was really where I started. Uh, any kind of work, really, was in radio. And then I kind of Gradually, it almost seemed like a natural progression from there uh, into television, uh, where it did uh, various different roles uh, in television, and then kind of a lot of, kind of almost natural progression into film. So it's, there's no kind of definitive uh, path that I've had or any point in which I kind of had a kind of change of direction in, into into kind of the next the next area. It's been it's felt very natural and, and a way in which I'm I'm really pleased with how it's. it's it's, it's felt natural for me and it's felt like it's the best way and and, and, and I think if, for any producers it's, it's a good way to come in because that way you kind of you go through the various different, different ranks so I think you appreciate the, the different roles uh, more uh, when you get to the kind of level Coming to Superman Requiem you know a lot it can be considered by a lot to be a fan film but it is actually more than that why don't you tell us what makes it different from what those that came before um, well, I think the, the key thing with Superman is 
there are a lot less Superman fan films out there than, than there are others. For example, there's, I see that there's, there's so many Superman ones and lots of other things. I think Superman is the hardest one to do. I mean, obviously, from a, a visual effects point of view, he's, he's the only one with, that, that flies and, and has all those, those powers. So there's that kind of aspect of it which makes it difficult to, to produce as, as, uh, as, a, as a regular kind of fan film series. It's understandable why there are, there are so few of them. Uh, but I think the main thing that makes uh, Requiem stand out is the fact that we, our, our cast and crew, are all we all do this for a living. Uh, we're all filmmakers, full-time actors, and things like that. So, so right across the board, immediately, it's it's not just um, a group of fans; it's a group of. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's really what what kind of makes it stand out with our with our pretty large cast and crew. Everyone at, at all the different levels, from our, our map painting artists to our VFX guys, I say to our cast, everyone uh, involved does that same role uh, full time on, on pretty pretty big scale productions uh, right across the film industry. So we've got some real great experience from, from everyone involved, and it's just been a case of kind of calling in those favours. And, and the real amazing thing is, is that every everyone we we've, we've kind of got on board happens to be kind of real huge Superman fans anyway, which kind of shows that, that Superman's reach kind of has, has no limits. Everyone kind of, kind of is, is really pleased to be involved in something like this and, and is really kind of embracing the, the kind of film aspect of it. Well, how did, uh, how did it, Superman Requiem begin the development process? Um, well, it, it started um, as a, it was almost a, a, a joke at some point. I, I kind of needed to do a, a project for, for my investors for another project um, and so was, was, was doing something and as, as soon as I said that I thought okay it needs to be a Superman film I've always ever since I can remember wanted to, to be involved in a Superman film um, kind of at any level and so I thought okay this is the perfect opportunity for, for me to kind of make my own um, and it was kind of almost almost lighthearted when I first suggested it and then it kind of came back saying okay you know really you can you can do this, but it needs to kind of follow the fan film policy. Um, and so over a very quick period of time, it, it, it turned into something that was really so much bigger than I could have ever imagined it to be, really. And, and the, the script and uh, the first draft was done within a week. Um, I kind of put that together uh, because it was so... I, I've got so much passion for it. It's something that I, kind of, as I say, always wanted to do, but never thought I'd be able to have, certainly not this much creative control. I mean, I'd have given anything to be part of a kind of a, a big Superman film at a kind of lower level. So to be able to have this much kind of creative control over a Superman project really is quite amazing. And to have the people who've got on board as well just makes it makes it amazing, really. And since the script was first put together kind of late last summer, it's been many months of hard work from everyone involved. Um, we've got nearly 250 um, cast and crew involved. And every one of them has, has literally put their heart and soul into this project, and it's been amazing to see it. And I'm just so so grateful for everyone being involved, whether it's um, our cast and crew, and we've also got um, contributors from from all over the world that have kind of invested into the project as well to make it what it is. So to everyone that's involved, it's kind of I like to see that it's kind of part owned almost by everyone. It's everyone's project. It's not just mine or, or anybody else's involved. It's it's a kind of almost community project that, that spans the globe, really. And I can see that. Uh, the interesting thing you mentioned is that there are investors all over the world. Uh, the movie is heavily funded by contributions 
um, from fans and, and the outside community. How did that novel approach to funding come about? Uh, well, originally, I kind of I wrote the the script, obviously thinking that it, okay, it's going to be a, a fan film, so we are going to be limited to what we can do. There is there's no point in me writing huge elaborate scenes that we're just never going to be able to, to produce on this kind of budget. So, so we planned it for for a kind of real kind of low budget around eight thousand dollars to be able to to work with it, um, and we were looking at different options of how we could we could achieve that. And there was there was private investment from from lots of interested parties. A lot of my regular investors from other films were interested. Um, the only problem with that is that obviously being a fan film, nobody can make any kind of profit from that. So it was it was finding a way to get people to invest um, with with not being able to have any kind of financial return. Um, and then on other projects that I've worked on in the past, it's been credits uh, to be able to get some some money in. Um, and it was at that point when we were discussing that, uh, one of my other producers, Mark Sacco, uh, was talking about the website Indiegogo, which I'd admittedly never heard of at that point, um, which is just a, a website where you list perks for, for investors and they can kind of go on and, and they, they buy the perks, whether it's uh, producer credits or being an extra. We've got pretty much everything we can offer uh, at different levels for, for Requiem, um, including kind of extra offers and... and uh, opportunities to have parts of the costumes and things like that. So, so I mean, I have to say, Indiegogo have been fantastic. We it would have been impossible to do it at this level without Indiegogo support. They've been great, and and every investor that's kind of been involved um, through Indiegogo as well. I, I had no idea of, of the reach that, that the website had, but as you say, we um we had a, a planned budget of kind of eight thousand two hundred dollars. We knew we could kind of get the basics in at that level. Um, and we've, we've well exceeded that. We're now over $11,000 through Indiegogo alone. Um, so it just shows the support that's out there. The fans desperately want to be involved in, in something like this, uh, which is why we're keen to kind of be able to, to let them be involved. We embrace everyone that's, that wants to be a part of this, because I know what it's like to want to be part of a Superman film. So, so with everyone that's out there that, that wants the same, then, then I'm more than happy. It's, it's excellent to have fans involved in this film. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was. A, I mean, just as a as a fan that did invest, it does feel like a, a sense of community. Absolutely, yeah, and it's as I say, it's it's everybody's film. It's something that everybody, no matter how much they put in or what they put into it, whether it's creative or financial, everyone can kind of go away and, and kind of be proud and say, yeah, I was involved in in that Superman film. What what I did that that bit that I did made that happen, and and I think that's it's it's a novel approach to to doing it, and I think it's it's going to change the way that, that fan films work. I know that, that Warner Brothers and DC are kind of changing the way they feel about fan films as well, and I think allowing fans in in terms of investment and, and what they can, the involvement they can have with it, um, it is going to change the way it works because it really does give fans much greater involvement uh, in, in fan films as, as well. Well, and speaking of the film itself, what can you, what can you tell us about the story? Um, obviously, at this point, we don't want to give away too, too much uh, because we want to leave uh, something for, for you to watch in the end. Um, but, but basically, the, 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 the loose kind of plot is that um, it, the film opens and, and it, it loosely follows on from the events of, of Superman 1 and 2. But it does have references to, to the other films as well, because one, one thing that I wanted to do was, was to be able to, to kind of bring in the, the other versions, um, because whether... Whether anybody likes the, the other films or, or whatever their thoughts regarding them, they are still part of the Superman 
um, mythos and, and universe, if you like. So I wanted to bring a lot of those in. So, uh, so the film opens kind of in, in modern day, uh, bearing in mind everything that's, that's happened before uh, in the other films and lots of the comics as well. Um, and it, it happens to be that, that Lois Lane has, has moved away to London um, she's now working at another newspaper that's affiliated with the Daily Planet. And Clark is still left in Metropolis. Um, so they're kind of, they're a bit rocky at the moment. And there's a, a new female reporter that's that's brought in to work with Clark uh, that he kind of developed feelings for. And she has feelings for him um, as Clark, as opposed to Lois, who had them for Superman. So it's a kind of more, more Lois and Clark based in that sense, in that there's this kind of, relationship between the two, whereas they, they kind of know how each other feels, but, but aren't sure how to act upon that. And then, so obviously he's still leading his, leading his dual life as a Superman as well. Um, and uh, a new kind of evil genius that's, that's involved, which is uh, actually Alex Luthor, which is Lex Luthor's um, estranged son, he's involved and he decides he wants to, to get back at Superman for something that's happened. Um, and so, so what he does is he, he finds a way to um, pretty much cripple Superman. He, he, he renders most of his powers useless, not all of them, um, and they're not all completely gone, um, but, but he's kind of severely restricted, and, and Superman has to, to find a way to be able to kind of still be the Man of Steel with those limited powers, um, as well as, as kind of dealing with his, his kind of relationship with, with Ali Knowles as well. Um, and then... Yeah, the rest of the film kind of goes on from there. So, so without giving too much away, that's kind of the first part. Um, yeah. Yeah, we still got months away till the release. So absolutely, yeah. Well, you mentioned you've always wanted to do a Superman film. What drew you to the character of Superman? Um, oh gosh, I, I really don't know. For for years, for as long as I can remember, ever since I was tiny, my earliest memories um, kind of involve Superman. There's there's pictures of me. Um, as a as a really young boy, kind of sat on my parents' sofa in a in a Superman costume. So I was kind of brought up with Superman, and so at no point did I really kind of start to like Superman. I kind of always have. I think I liked Superman before before I can actually have any recollection of of any kind of memories at that point. So it's something I've always always loved. I've always loved the the films and the comics, um, and kind of continually growing up with those and, and the different different versions and, and of, of Superman that has come around. Obviously, it's, it's refreshed. It's still very much the same as it was um, when, it, when he was first created as a character, but at the same time, we've had different versions. We've had, the, for example, the, the George Reeves movies, we've had the Christopher Reeve movies, we've had, uh, obviously, the, the comics have changed throughout the years um, and the different series like Lois and Clark. So it's, it's something that, that we've kind of, all as fans have kind of evolved with um, and... Uh, as I say, for as long as I can remember, Superman has, has been there. So it's it's been something that I've always loved, and, and I'm just so pleased to be involved in a, in a Superman project now. And I, I was kind of the same way where I, I don't remember where it began, but I've always had a deep love for the character. When it came time for you to cast your Superman, what yep. qualities were you looking for? Um, well... We knew that we wanted to, Superman has a basic look uh, that you can't get away from. We we knew we wanted to keep that, so we needed to be tall. We needed to to, to look physically right for the role. Um, so we we 
that was our, our main concern, our, our first main concern in making sure that we found someone that, that was physically right for the role. So that as soon as he came on screen, you knew whether he was in the costume or not, that that was Superman. Um, and so we went through through literally thousands of applications for those. But the other main qualities we were looking for, we didn't want someone that, that just looked right, because uh, that, that was the other main thing. We found hundreds that looked exactly what we wanted, but they they couldn't act. And then we looked for, for other ones that, that were brilliant actors, but they looked nothing like Superman. So, so it was finding that fine balance, because it, it's not just a, a physical role. Um, with, with the dual Clark Kent role in there as well, and something that needs someone that can play kind of both characters. In in this film, we kind of we, we deal a lot with with when he's Kal-el as well. So he's not his kind of character as Clark Kent. Um, he's not the, the kind of raw Superman. He's just kind of in between area as well. So we need an actor that could essentially play three very different roles um, and carry them off in all aspects. And he just have the physical appearance and needed to be able to. To, to be a really good actor, to be able to, to come across in those scenes as well. Um, so, so that was when we kind of narrowed down our search. And uh, during one of the, uh, the casting sessions that we had, uh, Martin Richardson walked in the room and instantly uh, we looked at each other, the, myself and my other producers looked at each other and as soon as we started, we knew, I certainly knew straight away that that, that, was, that was my superman. Let's go ahead and talk about your role in the film. Obviously, you're playing Superman, Clark Kent. Yep. When did you start acting? When did I start acting? Um, my earliest memories of, of acting, I, I think, were uh, during school, my early teens. Um, I, I went to uh, out, out of school uh, clubs and, and weekend clubs, drama clubs and things like that. And that's when I sort of really started to get get into acting and, uh, and and kind of think, when I grow up, I, I want to be an actor. Um, but I, I guess I didn't really sort of take it seriously until my late teens, I was 17, 18. Um, I went to a performing arts school uh, where I studied literally nothing but uh, you know, performing arts, uh, drama, uh, English and uh, and media studies. So literally everything that you could, you could base around acting, I studied. Uh, did lots of sort of performances in and around the UK. Uh, I even travelled to Los Angeles at one point for a five-day trip to do a, a short a short performance in um, Beverly Hills High School. Um, and then I sort of picked up my first agent around about 2021, 20, um, and I had a I had quite a strong sort of gymnastics background from an early age, about four years old to about 14. I did gymnastics at a national level. Um, so I had lots of that I could offer. Um, so I, I picked up a small agent who, who got me work in almost every kind of field you could imagine. I was, uh, I was either doing backflips in the background of a dance school one day or, you know, something sort of silly comic character on a children's program the next day and kind of picked up small roles here or there and worked with small theatre companies in and around London until I was uh, 24. Uh, when I was 24, I kind of realised that then that was what I wanted to set as my career. I, I knew I wanted a career as an actor, and these days to be taken seriously as, as, a, as an actor, you can't. You need some training. So I went to Drama Studio London. Uh, I did a postgraduate in acting, and uh, graduated last July. And I've been really lucky to have worked with some really great companies since then. I've, I've actually, I've, I've not stopped, which is a really nice feeling. Um, 
Uh, I've worked with the Creation Theatre Company in Oxford. I've worked at the Roundhouse, which is uh, quite well known for a place where the Royal Shakespeare Company do a lot of their performances. I've worked with various British independent film companies making short films. And so, yeah, everything's sort of rolling along nicely, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what was, uh, you know, Mr. Fillets was talking about, you know, you walked in and they, they knew, as far as the audition process was that your experience that you knew you had the role or was there a different experience for you on the other side of the audition table? Um, I, it was, I, I tell you my first, my first audition, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I was going for. <laughs> I mean, I, I was aware that it was a superhero project. Um, but a lot of it was kept quite secretive. I was, you know, only small sections of the script were released so to see sort of Superman and Clark Kent written on a piece of paper wasn't really enough for me. I didn't, I didn't, I kind of didn't believe I was being seen for that film and for that role. Um, and it was a long process as well. I mean, the first audition that I went to and I met the team was fantastic because I walked straight into the room and all my questions were almost answered in about five minutes. There was the, the Superman costume standing in the left hand corner, <laughs> standing over me. Uh, there was a nice sort of crisp looking fresh printed out script with the big Superman emblem on the front and uh, and everybody was there. It was, it was really, really lovely. Um, it was really great, great, great first audition. I got a really great feeling from the team and I, that was the sort of moment that I realised I really, really wanted to be involved in this project in any way, shape or form. Um, and I had a couple of auditions after that, the screen test and, uh, and, and then I got offered the role but the whole process was a lot longer than, I, than I'd ever been for any any film, any theatre production before. And uh, I think my girlfriend, I think, probably went a little bit mad at that time because I was sort of Superman obsessed. Uh, I was checking my phone every five minutes, checking my emails every five minutes, uh, checking the Superman websites to see whether they released anything. And, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was pretty intense. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, uh, were you a Superman fan before this? Did you read the comics growing up? Um. I kind of echo what what Gene said earlier when he was referring to his childhood. Um, I've no doubt you could dig out a few photographs of me in Superman costumes. I mean, being a gymnast uh, at such a young age, there's, there's, there's probably pictures of me flying through the air in, in a Superman costume of some sort, either from one sofa to the next in somebody's living room or, uh, or, or in the park or something, I'm sure. But... Um, I certainly do remember when I got to about the age of about 13, 14, uh, me and my friends, we, we started a comic club. Of course we did. Every young boy loves comics. <laughs> and I remember there was a shop on my way home. It was called the uh, the Swag Shop. I've got to be careful of pronunciation there. <laughs> the Swag Shop. And it was kind of one of those shops that sold just about everything. You, you know, it had like ornaments that you wouldn't know what to do with that would probably end up in your grandma's house or something like that. And it, I remember at the back there was a big box and it was absolutely full of comics and you could buy three comics for a pound and every couple of weeks they would top this box up with fresh comics and I remember sifting through that box every week or two to try and find the best DC comics, the best Marvel comics that were in there uh, just, just so that I could go back to school and you know show everybody that I had that certain versions of certain comics. But so yeah, I've, I've always, always been into comic books. Always been into uh, Superman for as long as I can remember. I don't think there was an ever, a, ever a, a sort of initial introduction to the character. It's pretty much like Gene. I've, I've always known Superman and who he was. I understand completely. Well, how did 
you know, once you got the role, how did you begin to prepare for it physically and mentally? Um, well, physically, um, I've, I've always liked to keep in good shape. Um, I think that was my gymnastic background. I've always, I've always been very competitive with myself. Um, I do a lot of running, a lot of cycling and things. So I think physically keeping in shape and getting in shape was, was quite a big thing. I've, uh, I've, I've, for the first time, bought some weights. I've never owned a set of weights before, but for the first time I bought some weights. Um, I've got a friend who's a physical trainer who's written me out a plan uh, to keep in, in good shape. So I, physically I look right for the role. Um, I think that's, I think that's one of the one of the things that Gene was talking about earlier. Having the right look is is quite an important. He's an iconic role. Everybody knows what he looks like. And I think if I feel like I look like the role, it will be easier to play the role. Um, but mentally, I think knowing the character inside out um, from the process from back in the 1930s when he was created um, through all the different mediums that he's been represented in through radio through all of the films, knowing all of these uh, different projects inside out, I think is, is going to be the key to being able to play and prepare for this role more than anything else. Um, I've, 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 I've probably got, I've, I mean, I've got them scattered on my sofa here just in case we were to talk of them, but I've got various editions of um, comic books that I've collected from, uh, I've been in Forbidden Planet. I should have, a, uh, I should have a, a discount card now. I've been in so much. Um, <laughs> I've got a, I've got sort of Superman Returns art books. I've got the Gene has very kindly lent me a couple of things as well. I've got the Superman Deluxe Edition DVD box set, the, the Christopher Reeve collection, Superman in the Seventies, the Death of Superman. Uh, I've even got Superman Earth One, which uh, was recommended to me the other day, uh, just for a little uh, a different version of uh, Superman's tale. So I'm I'm kind of doing my research the best that I can, really. Well, you're covering quite a few bases there, just from that array. <laughs> in that time period, so the time frame you're covering. So what elements uh, do you bring to the Man of Steel that are uniquely yours? Well, I, being the first British actor who's going to play Superman (laughs) just before Henry Cavill, um, I think think it would be right for me to say that I'm going to try and portray some kind of English charm, uh, whether it's in, uh, within... uh, uh, Superman himself or within Clark Kent I'm not sure but I think I have to somehow get some sort of British mannerism through on screen otherwise I'll uh, <laughs> otherwise I won't have done my country proud and so that's my <laughs> that's my biggest goal I think <laughs> <laughs> well have you uh, I mean you get, have you what did it feel like to put on the costume for the first time um I tell you what that was uh that was a nerve-wracking process because I actually tried on the costume before I was offered the role. <laughs> so technically, that meeting could have gone either way. I could have walked out of there um, utterly depressed, not knowing whether I'd got the role or not. Or luckily, um, in the same evening, Gene Gene offered me the role. So putting it on for the first time was was kind of kind of very nerve-wracking, but at the same time, extremely exciting because I think that was the first time I I, I kind of said. This role, this role is for me. I don't. I, I'm not leaving this this costume meeting without securing that role. Um, <laughs> but p- putting it on for the first time was very, very exciting. Of course, under the watchful eye of uh, all the producers, making sure that I didn't stick my big toe through a seam or something stupid <laughs> when pulling the, pulling the tights up. But uh, yeah, it was very, very exciting. Very, very exciting indeed. 
Well, do you fear the so-called Superman curse, meaning do you fear being type typecast after this or having some horrible accident befall you? Um, <laughs> I, I don't, no. I'm going to be pretty honest there and say I've, I'm not a superstitious person uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, I believe in creating my own luck. So, you know... I'm pretty sure answer that. I don't believe in I don't believe in the Superman curse uh, at all. Um, in terms of being typecast, um, well, <laughs> I, I I I don't know what to say about that. To be honest, uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I don't fear it at all. I, no, no what? fear is my uh, <laughs> my motto for that. <laughs> well, what has uh, been the reaction to your family from your family and friends to your casting? Uh, oh, I had nothing but positive, positive support, positive feedback. Nothing but uh, excitement. Uh, I think for you know, ever since I decided that I wanted to be an actor, I've waited to play a lead role in something. Uh, I've waited to see myself on the big screen, and of course, my family, especially my mum, has, has always has always been questioning me. When are you going to be in something on TV then, and, uh, and stuff like that? So. I've had nothing but support all round from my family, and um, you know, it, it, it's been very, very nice. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Well, a lot of people feel like Superman is hard to relate to. You know, as he's so powerful, he's such an icon. Have you found it difficult to portray a Superman that audiences can feel a sense of connection to? Um, well, as we've not started filming yet, and uh, we've not had any sort of feedback from the audiences, and we won't do for quite a few months, I think I think the one thing that, that Superman Requiem has got on its side is this script. It really lends itself to uh, portraying a side of Superman that I don't think anybody's seen on screen before. Um, I think Gene was talking about the sort of vulnerability of Superman and having these sort of almost human feelings. I think when one human being sees another suffering from something that they know only too well. They can only relate to them and, and know what they're going through. So I think this film, in a way, will be easy for audiences to relate to Superman. And you know, they'll see him in a less powerful state. And and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, they'll, uh, they'll be able to relate to him a lot easier through my performance. But uh, no pressure there, eh? <laughs> <laughs> the movie begins filming this month you mentioned when will fans be able to see the finished project um i do believe they'll be getting a sneak peek of the uh the teaser trailer within the next few weeks is that right Gene? yeah that's right yeah the the teaser trailer and uh, the first one will be will be out um we're hoping by the the end of may uh we're hoping to be able to to get that online um the elements are, are in place now it's just being able to, to get there. We're obviously keen to, to to keep fans updated and interested, so so that's one of the things we're, we're keen to get out, just to show them something kind of visual at this point um, ahead of the release. But the actual release itself um, is scheduled for November. Uh, that's when we're looking to to have it already and, and screen it online. Excellent. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Where can to my, my listeners and myself get updates between now and the release date? Um, one of the key things is being a fan film is, is keeping the fans up to date. There's no point in kind of keeping it too secret. We're obviously keen to, to make sure that there's something worth seeing at the end. We, we don't want to give too much of the story away so that everyone can see it. But in terms of updates on, on how we're doing and, and shooting and stuff like that, 
we're, we intend to, to, to keep everyone updated uh, during the shoot, uh, especially through Twitter uh, at, at Superman Requiem. Uh, there's going to be lots of updates on there, uh, news from the sets and production pictures, uh, sneak peek images, lot, as much as we can really on there without giving too much away. Uh, there's also the Facebook group at facebook.com slash Requiem as well. And the official website at themanofsteelisback.com. So there, there's a lot of different mediums there. And, of course, there'll be lots of, of press releases as well. So it should, should be in the news. And the, uh, lots of the different fan forums and, and uh, fan websites are, are following us closely as well. So, so hopefully it'll be, be quite easy to keep up to date with everything. Yeah, I think a lot of the cast and the crew are on Twitter as well. So if, uh, if ever they're having a stressful day, I'm sure they wouldn't be, uh, they wouldn't hesitate <laughs> to tweet about it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely follow me on Twitter as well. Um, I, I'm on there too, sort of telling everybody how strenuous the training's going and, uh, various different regimes. But, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, in the show notes, I will make sure that all Twitter streams are on there and the links will be on there. So they'll be able to find you. And, of course, they can come back here to Superman Forever Radio and I will keep them updated as well. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I, and I appreciate you guys being here. And I know it's evening time there, so I'll let you get on with your evening. I Once again, just I appreciate you guys doing the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to the movie. Excellent. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank, Thank you, you very much. And as I mentioned, you will be able to find all of those links at supermanforever.com in the show notes or at the Superman uh, Podcast Network at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And as awesome as that was, and by the way, I just want to mention those are two of the nicest guys you'll ever sit down to talk to. <laughs> I am so thankful that they did this show and they were absolutely fantastic to, to spend some time with. But since we still have quite a bit of show left to do, I'm going to play a quick promo. And then we're going to jump right into a conversation with Michael Bailey of From Crisis to Crisis on the recent controversy with Superman. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey. And I'm Jeffrey Taylor. And we host a podcast called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Presented by the Superman homepage. On the show... Wait, wait, wait. What? This just isn't working out for me. It's not bombastic enough. We need something epic. Like what? Welcome to From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Presented by the Superman homepage. I am Jeffrey Taylor. And I am Michael Bailey. From Crisis to Crisis chronicles the adventures of Superman. Wait, wait, from... wait, 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 wait. I'm just not feeling this. I'm just wondering how there's a needle-scratching sound when all of this is clearly digital. Look, all we need to say is that this is the, a trailer for a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the home, Superman homepage. My name is Michael Bailey. I am Jeffrey Taylor. And every week we give in-depth synopsis and reviews for just about every Superman book published between Man of Steel number 1 in 1986 and Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. We also talk about the related Superman media, what was happening in the rest of the world, and when these comics were published, and what else was going on in the DC Universe. The show drops every 
Thursday at Chef the Superman homepage, which is located at www.supermanhomepage.com. From Crisis to Crisis is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, located at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. So join Jeffrey and I each week as we explore Superman during the post-crisis era, which includes Exile, Panic in the Sky, Doomsday, The Marriage, and Beyond. And write into the show at FromCrisisToCrisis at gmail.com and hear it read on the air, eventually, because we get behind on that sort of thing. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Side effects from From Crisis to Crisis include loss of money from buying back issues, a desire to read 20-year-old comic books, nausea, drowsiness, pizza, blurred vision, upset stomach, a desire to kick puppies and kittens, and backache from lifting boxes of Superman comics. If the excitement of From Crisis to Crisis lasts more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. And before I jump into my conversation with Michael Bailey, I do want to make a note on the sound and an apology to you, the listeners, as well as Michael Bailey himself. The, Michael will come across very metallic, and that's because I had the volume up a little too high on my interface. Not that he's unintelligible by any means or hard, you know, but the sound quality could have been better. However, the conversation was so good, I wanted to make sure it got on this week's episode. And it's a very hot button topic. So be prepared. There's going to be some very serious discussion. And without further ado, I do apologize once again to Michael Bailey. Apologize to you for the sound quality. But remember, the content is excellent. So I'm going to, going to hand that over to the conversation I had with Michael Bailey. So a little over two weeks ago, an issue of Action Comics came out. Action number A900, which was about 100 pages full of stories. Nobody cares about the rest of the content in that issue. The big news, and it's made it as far as Fox News, is mm-hmm. Superman, quote, renounces his citizenship. And I, w- I was really content to just hope that it was going to blow over and not touch upon it until time to actually cover that issue. But as I mentioned, it's made it as far as Fox News, which means I can't really avoid the 1,200-pound gorilla in the room. So I brought on... Michael Bailey of From Crisis to Crisis to discuss this particular issue and kind of try to put some put some context around it. Hello. So, Michael, you've you've had a chance to review the the issue. Uh, most of it, I have not read the Reign of the Doomsday Black Ring mashup conclusion continuation because I I'm not caught up on Action Comics. But uh, outside of the Richard Donner story, because I just haven't had time to sit down and read a script. Uh, this week, I have read the other stories in it, including, um, and, and it is such a, <laughs> I have to say, it is, it, it's a very appropriately titled story, The Incident, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because cause that's kind of what it is, it's an incident that, uh, that has really sparked probably about as much controversy as I expected it to. In all honesty, because I'm just sitting there one day, I forget when, it was shortly after the, the issue hit, uh, or was it before, I forget, but, you know, I just, you know, Facebook just starts blowing up with people wigging out uh, because Superman apparently renounced his citizenship, and I'm like, huh, and, and my first reaction, in all honesty, was, I don't like it, and I actually, <laughs> I actually ended up going off on Facebook, which I don't really like to do because uh, people will argue with you incessantly, and I'm the type of guy that wants to have my say and just be done with it. And it's just like, okay, here's what I think, leave me alone. And <laughs> this is the internet, you can't do that. 
people are going to have a reaction. And there's going to be some people that are just going to want to argue and argue and argue until I'm just totally frustrated and don't want to even be part of the conversation anymore. Um, but uh, a certain person who I consider a very good friend uh, referred to the concept of truth, justice in the American way as antiquated, and that just pissed me off entirely. And I went on to this whole rant, and halfway through the rant, I realized what my, my real problem with this story is. And uh, interestingly enough, that problem has evolved out of Superman renouncing his citizenship and into something else completely. But I didn't know if you wanted to actually talk about the story in Toto. Well, no, I mean, um, you've got the floor. I mean, this is the first time you've ever been on this show, so I'm going to... I'm very excited to be here, by the way. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate uh, you being uh, on. I've been a, been a fan since pretty much the beginning of the show. Uh, I, I remember when seeing you pop up on Facebook and downloading the first episode and really, really digging in uh, over the past couple of months. I've I had, uh, gotten behind on all of my Superman podcasts. Uh, but listen to all of them and, you know, listen to you talk to Cayman and to the other guys whose names completely escape me at this point. Travis and John. Yeah. Uh, just really like your take on Superman. So I appreciate you having me on the show. But, you know, we have a story here where this government spooky guy uh, is, is talking to Superman about the fact that he went to... Iran. Sorry, for some reason, I, I for some reason I thought it was Afghanistan. I was going to say Afghanistan, and that kind of confused me. <laughs> but <laughs> I threw myself off. I apologize. That's okay. But um, but he goes and he and Superman just kind of stands there between tr- the government troops and protesters, and he just stands there, does nothing, and apparently this sparked an international incident because the Iranian government sees Superman as kind of a tool the Americans, so it's like America came to Iran and caused all this trouble, and at the end of it, Superman basically says, screw you guys, I'm not an American anymore, or I'm renouncing my citizenship, I guess I should say. And people have lost their damn minds over this. Yeah. Just <laughs> crazy. And for me, my, my problem, as always, I have like a series of problems because I can never just have one. Um, addressing the concept, uh, addressing the, 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 the part of the story where he says truth, justice, the American way, it's not enough anymore. On one hand, I see where he's coming from and having talked to other people from other countries and gaining their perspective on it, including Steve Yunus, who runs the Superman homepage. Uh, to them, it's not a big deal because, you know, they're not American, and yet they see Superman and want them to be part, want him to be part of them. And, and I guess their culture to a certain extent. So, looking at it from that perspective, and looking at it from the perspective that the, I think the intent of the story was to show that Superman... Uh, needs to have more than America behind him because the world is smaller than it's ever been thanks to the internet and everything else and he needs to be you know a person of the world and therefore being an American 
hurts him because people will see him as a tool of America. Well, problem number one with that is if he renounces his citizenship, that's not just going to go away. He could go before the UN and say, I'm not an American anymore. And there will be people out there that will still consider, you know, that's not going to make, you know, John Q. citizen of Iran suddenly say, oh, he's not American anymore. It's okay. It's, it's, a, it's a very naive concept to, to adopt that if I just say I'm not American, people will accept me as a citizen of the world. Um, two, and this isn't mine, but it, it's something that I, I had been thinking about uh, that was addressed by uh, Scotty V over at the Superman homepage on the latest um, speeding bulletins is that Superman's of the world anyways. You know, if, <laughs> if there's a flood in China, he's not going to go, hmm, I'm not a citizen of China and I'm an American. Maybe I should stop and think about it before I start. He would just go start saving people, you know. That's Superman. Yeah. That's what he does. Going beyond all of that, though, the, the concept of truth, justice, the American way, is, is it's not antiquated in any way, shape, or form. Because to me, the American way, and this, this is getting more political than I am usually comfortable with on a podcast, because I'm of the opinion that politics and, 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 and superhero talk really don't mix, because it's just going to infuriate people. So I hope that you don't get too many emails on what I'm about to say. And if you have, um, if you have emails, direct them to from crisis to crisis. Oh, go ahead. At gmail.com. <laughs> exactly. Um, to me, the American way is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's not strictly American. That's something that everybody should have. And that was rather the point of putting that into the Declaration of Independence. Because it was a declaration to the world that we're doing something different. And I have a lot of American pride. I'm very patriotic. I do not wear that patriotism on, on, a, on my sleeve. But I have a deep sense of being proud of the country I come from. But that doesn't mean that my country has to set the trend for everything else in the world. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a, if you don't agree with us, well, you can just go F off, basically. So, to me, if Superman says, I stand for truth, justice, and the American way, he's not saying, I stand for truth, justice, and whatever the current administration stands for. He stand, he's like Captain America. He stands for the ideals that the country is founded upon, which to me is universal to everybody. So let's take that and stop talking about it because I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> uh, and I pretty much said everything I wanted to say on that. So, Well, you mentioned Captain America, though. Captain America step, stepped down from disillusionment with his country, which isn't exactly mm-hmm. what's happening here. Superman's just saying, I need to be capable of, as you mentioned, saving that person in China who's about to drown in a flood without worrying about those repercussions. And it's not that I support what he's saying. But the American way was founded upon a melting pot mm-hmm. that we would come together and blend as a, as a country from all these various uh, points of origin. So in, in Superman being the ultimate immigrant can see that perspective of coming from a different point of origin and what's, what's the potential to merge. 
So he's trying to say, if I can't be free to operate, people will die. And if it comes down to me not being Superman or, you know, my patriotism, then I'm going to renounce this because being Superman is more important than the country I'm from, the country I'm currently live in, and more important than, you know, just who he is as a, as a person. And let's, let's keep in mind that Clark Kent is not renouncing his American citizenship. No. Superman has honorary American citizenship. And I know the Byrne era, your era, your From Crisis to Crisis era, there was some question because technically Kal-El was born on Earth when the Matrix opened. Yeah, they, they discussed that at length in Action Comics Annual number three when they did The Future where he ran for president. Yeah, which was one of my favorite issues, by the way. Oh, it was so awesome. <laughs> Well, both of the, the 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 Adventures of Superman and Superman an, or Action Comics Annual that year. <laughs> but getting back on point, one question I have: maybe you have an opinion on this. The writer of this story was David Goyer, who wrote the upcoming Man of Steel, at least the the initial draft. I don't know how many people have been in, if anybody's been in, been in, in to rewrite it beyond Zack Snyder. Do you think Goyer is kind of throwing the finger up to fans who? lost their marbles when a, a British actor was cast as Superman? Do you think there's just a tinge of... You know, that that's possible, but that's not the first thing I would go to. Uh, I, I think Goyer had a story he wanted to tell. And given the fact that David Goyer is pretty firmly entrenched in DC as a writer, having co-written JSA when that title restarted, or started up in 1999... And uh, then working with Jeff Johns, and yeah, I think on the Marvel side, he's most known for writing the Blade films and directing the third one, which is a lot better than a lot of people give it credit for. I'll, uh, uh, I like it. And uh, I'm sure he wrote the, the Nick Fury and the Generation X, but he also wrote two movies that a lot of people like that I have a large amount of problems with, you know, Batman Begins and Dark Knight. And uh, I am assuming Dark Knight Rises. He's he's got a, his hand in. So I, I think you know he he. I don't know how this happened. Maybe you know Matt Idelson's like, hey David, you, you know we're having the big nine hundred. Do you want to write a story? Yeah, I got an idea for a story because I got this idea about what Superman should be, and here it is. And they're like, yeah, that's great. You know, let's put that in there and. Uh, Maybe realizing it would cause some controversy. I don't know if they expected it to cause the amount of controversy it did. No. Um, and or to have the negative backlash that it's had. But, um, you know, <laughs> it's just kind of funny because it, it kind of, that kind of leads into my third problem with the story is that in the end it really doesn't matter. This isn't the start of the brave new Superman story arc green card, you know, (laughs) written by whatever Hollywood writer is coming in to write comics this week. And that's not, that sounds more pithy than it's supposed to be. Ultimately, the story doesn't matter. I mean, it matters in the fact that it's a, it's actually a pretty well-written story. It matters in that it has caused a lot of people to talk about Superman probably for the first time. Uh, you know, it could be that they, they put this story in there to get national interest in Superman so that maybe people would be energized about, you know, the movie that's coming out soon, uh, next year. But at the end of the day, this story doesn't mean anything. 
Well, that's to continuity. Of, yeah, it's one of my big beefs is it's being taken completely out of context. Uh, there's a lot of people commenting on it who haven't read the story. Read the context. It'll make a little bit more sense and then form an opinion. Two, DC has done nothing to... No statements have been released from DC, David Goyer, anybody. They're just letting it go, and now this thing has sold so much, it's in second printing. So they're <clears throat> milking this instead of doing what they're supposed to do and putting out some sort of comment to stave off some of this negative reaction, which is clearly going to come back in a huge way and hit those books. Because I'm sure there are people dropping Superman in action off of their pull list as we speak. Mm-hmm. And third, it overshadows the rest of what is a great book. I recommended to you when we were talking about this episode, the short story Life Support by Damon yes. Lindelhoff, mm-hmm. which was a story that was so good, I reread it about three times in, in one sitting, let it sit overnight, and went back and reread it again, and it still haunted me. You know what's kind of funny about that story is uh... – I, I feel the same way with you when I read it because it was the first story out of this issue uh, that I read. I was just like, "Oh my god, that's that's such a hardcore, emotionally dr- driven story." But then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, "Doesn't that kind of take away the specialness of Jor-El building the ship himself?" No, no, not going to think about that. Not going to think about that. <laughs> well, he built the ship. It was just the, the life support. Um, the food that. Well, okay, they go hand in hand, and that's a completely different argument. We could be. <laughs> We're not going to derail this conversation into an argument about what goes into <laughs> Kal-El's ship that brought him to Earth because God knows the both of us can do it. Yes. The biggest the biggest gripe, and, I, and you hit on this, is why do people s- suddenly become interested in Superman when something controversial or something different happens? Who Superman has to die for people to read his book, or he has to turn electric, or renounce his citizenship. And then it brings up that point that most people, that's when most people get on their soapbox and say, truth, justice, the American way is antiquated. Which I've said from episode one of this show, why why is that? Why would anybody think that truth, justice, and the American way are in any way a bad form? American way practiced in the correct way. I think Superman is a lot like religion. And what I mean by that is either you get it or you don't. You can't force somebody to believe in a particular faith. You can't, I mean, well, technically you can force them, but I'm talking believing it in their heart. Yeah. uh, Accepting it as their religion. Rather than just practicing the protocol. Yeah, you know, because, you know, it's government mandated or whatever. You know, you you either and I, and I think this comes a little bit from me growing up Catholic, and Catholicism's kind of a, a amusing little sect of Christianity. Well, not little because it's gigantic, but to me, being Catholic, it was always like if you want to join, fine. If you don't, eh, you know, that's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> I've never opened my door. And had somebody from a Roman Catholic church trying to convert me to Catholicism. So a lot of what my view on Superman may feed off of that in that, you know, people have to want to believe in Superman. 
And when I say that is they have to buy into a very simple truth. And that is Superman does what he does because it's the right thing to do. There is no question in his mind that it should be done. He saves people. He fights against the foes no common law enforcement agency can deal with. You know, he puts himself on the line because he was raised to believe that his powers should be used for the betterment of mankind. And that is a harder sell as a concept than his parents were shot by a mugger when he was eight. That made him go a little crazy and he's put on a bat costume and he beats people up. Or he was a guy that got superpowers that didn't stop uh, a robber, basically. And later on, that guy shot his Uncle Ben, and he had a chance to stop him when he didn't. It isn't Doc Bruce Banner belted by gamma rays turned into the Hulk. You know, tortured soul. People as a whole do not are not attracted to altruism. There are people out there that do great work. I'm not saying that. But working with the public as I do, and believe me, if you ever want to hate humanity, work retail. Absolutely. You see the worst in people. And you see that people aren't innately wanting to be a good person. So you have this man that personifies all that and it ends up looking hokey. It ends up looking like almost goofy, like, what? No, if I had those powers, I would do this. And if I had those powers, I would do that. No one goes, if I had super strength, I would help people. If I had super strength, I'd get a sports job of some kind and, and make a lot of money and help my family, which is, you know, not a bad thing, but it doesn't help humanity. You know, Superman, when Superman was first created, he was created by two kids living in the Depression, and he was the personification of social justice. Later, that evolved into he is the personification of truth, justice, and the American way, because the American way really wasn't added as part of the, the true lexicon until the George Reeves series. Uh, I'm sure it was said on the radio show, but, you know, it wasn't piped into young children's homes <laughs> week after week, and then in reruns, you know, until George Reeves st- stood there in front of a fan with an American flag fl- fluttering behind him. You know, and, and it was kind of like why under God was put into the Pledge of Allegiance. It was to show those godless commies, you know, who was on our side. So, so putting that in, it's just like, oh, we've got Superman too. We got you beat. We got God and Superman. <laughs> Yay! Um, that that came out more cynical than I wanted it to, which is totally the opposite of the point I want to make. But you can't convince somebody of that. So people have to people have to kind of accept Superman into their heart. But I think at the same time, people like the idea of Superman. They just, it's the idea of Superman, as Terry Hatcher once said. Um, Oh. Yeah. (laughs) 
But I, I think, unfortunately, because he is sort of the stodgy cousin that no one really likes to talk to at the family reunion, it takes him getting arrested for possession to get people to talk about him. You know, and then that's that's a weird comparison, but it does take, you know, he's dying. And what's amazing to me, and what actually ultimately makes me kind of angry, is that, okay, given I gave up on the Superman comics for about nine months, but I never gave up on the character. I just gave up on the week, monthly grind of buying the titles, and eventually I came back because I just couldn't stay away. So... Yeah, there was a point where I wasn't buying the comics, but I have been a diehard Superman fan since 1987, and I've been a fan of the character for even longer than that. I have been a supporter, a cheerleader. I do a weekly podcast with Jeffrey Taylor about him. I participate heavily in writing reviews and doing stuff for the Superman homepage because I love this character so much that I want to share that love with everybody else who also likes the character. And it bugs me that I've been doing that for so long, but it tastes like something like this for people who could give two rips about the character before to suddenly say, hey, Superman's important. It just, it bugs me. It makes me angry. It's like, where were you last week? You know, you were, you were out there buying Batman Incorporated. What is wrong with you? Not that okay, Batman Incorporated is necessarily bad. No, I was just... <laughs> That is not a reflection. <laughs> that was that was not a reflection on the on the title. I know a lot of people who read it and like it, but it, but it's basically my point is it's the people that are that that don't usually like the character, but like the idea of character that want to embrace the character after something like this happens. Well, and that's yeah. That brings, uh, that brings up a relevant point with with the rash of superhero movies, and I went to see one that was not a DC movie recently. Uh, that would be Thor, which. Uh, like comic book movies that's one of the better ones but but i'm sitting in this audience and i realize most of these people have never picked up a thor comic they don't they know nothing about this they're not part of the comic book community and i i could we could start a whole other conversation on whether or not that's the community's fault or not for being such a secluded community but suddenly they show up at this movie and they're a thor expert so it's just this rash of what my friend Chris calls people who learn off of Wikipedia in the movie and suddenly call themselves an expert. I've always been a fan. Yeah. And it takes Cuz it's now cool to be a fan. Yeah. And of course you and I talked about somewhere recently that we can't mention yet about how growing up reading Superman in a community of fanboys we were sort of the outcasts among outcasts growing up in yeah. high school and junior high. Well, it's like Christian Slater said in the movie Heathers, if you you know, when he was talking about the the previous high school that he was uh, that he attended. He goes, if you didn't have a beer in your hand, you might as well have been wearing a dress. Well, if you weren't reading X Men or Todd McFarlane's Spider Man or eventually Spawn, you might as well have been wearing a dress. Yeah, and it just it hits me personally. When these people who really didn't, as you mentioned, give two rips about Superman yesterday, see Bill O'Reilly talking about the incident and suddenly try to tell me personally about what Superman stands for. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm sorry. I, I don't consider myself an authority on Superman by any means. I know a lot. I'm a huge fan. He, he's somebody that means a lot to me. As, in terms of comic book characters, he's sacred to me, which is a very heavy word to use, and I don't know if I'll get flack for that or not, but I'm just going to be honest. But for somebody who really... I mean, I have him tattooed on my body on two places. Clearly, I have a, a bit of affection for him. I know a little bit. And I've, ha- I've been a fan long enough to form my opinion of what Superman is. So it, what makes me mad is incidents like this, and DC's propagating it on top of that, bring these non-fans, people who grew up with, uh, with Superman but never stuck with him, to be- suddenly become a- an expert. So suddenly tell me what my opinion of Superman should be. And, you know, I'd also like to make it kind of clear that, you know, even though I don't agree with the, you know, the, the, the freaking out view of this story, you know, if that's how people feel, that's how they feel. I have a very good friend that believes that DC owes everyone an apology, and I don't agree with him. Uh, but he, but I, but I still respect his right to have that opinion because that's the American way. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, brought that back around. That was kind of nice. I didn't mean to do that. Um, but, um, but for for my money, it it's just not something. And 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 granted, recently, and I know you have too. And I'm not going to bring up specifics. You know, something kind of happened in my life that brought into sharp focus what's really important. Yes. And so this coming out. At that time, you know, this coming out, like, basically the same day that that happened, you know, after I had my little tantrum, which actually turned into a well-reasoned thought, because when I was typing it, I I forced myself to stay reasonable and coherent, so it just didn't come out as blah, 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 you know, on Facebook, because there's nothing cooler than complaining on Facebook. Uh, I... I can probably make an Olympic sport if we really try to. Uh, but um, You know what else is cool on Facebook? What? Popping up on somebody's chat and telling them it's not a mullet and then going away. <laughs> not I, I had to go to work. <laughs> and you didn't respond right away. I, was, I had just heard it. Anyway, I didn't mean to detract from your point. But uh, no, you're fine. That was funny. Um, you know... But um, but at the same time, you know, I understand the passion for the for the, and I'm not going to say the true Superman fans because that sounds incredibly elitist. But um, I just can't bring that vitriol because, frankly, I I just don't agree with it. And what really bugged me, though, and I will say this: this angered me. This actually made me like physically angry. Is that you know last uh, Sunday we got him. You know, Osama bin Laden is not only caught, but he's killed. And people use that as an excuse to bring this up again. And I was just, I was, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was. I'm like, really? Really? Because that's your first thought is, wow, Superman must really regret not renouncing his citizenship now that we got him. It's like, one has nothing to do with the other. No, it doesn't. It just, just it, it just doesn't, and this, this, that goes hand in hand with my final problem with this story, is that Superman should not be Im- involved in political debate at all. 
And I mean that in a real-world context, and I mean that in a story context. To me, a story where Superman starts to get involved in world affairs is heading up the slippery slope. Basically, it's like this. We have a story where Superman stands between the military and the people of Iran. And he's like, no one fired a shot, and no one did this, and no one did that. Well, that's all well and good, and that works very well for that story. What happens in the next time when a soldier opens fire on the crowd? Or opens fire on Superman, and somebody in the crowd gets injured from the ricochet? What does he do then? And at that point, Superman has to make a decision. He has to decide, I have to take this soldier down, or I have to just let let this happen. Either way, he's going to do something. He's not going to allow people to die. And at that point, it is an international incident, more so than this. And Superman's got to decide what he's going to do from there. Never get involved again, or get more involved. And from there, I just, I just got to get the feeling that a person like Superman would eventually start to believe that imposing his will on the world is the right thing to do. Because, well, these people obviously can't make decisions for themselves. I've got to make the decision before them. And suddenly, Superman is the enemy and of what he was the enemy of. And it, it just occurred to me, you kind of, the point you were pointing you're making is yeah i mean he can evolve into a despot very easily mm-hmm. but in terms of the story's context i mean they never touch upon that it's suddenly a, it, it's it's almost like a huge paradigm shift in as far as real world affairs and superman because the main rule the standing rule going back to world war ii was keep him out yeah World War II, they left him out because there were real soldiers over there fighting and having Superman go over and defeat Hitler with a pinky was disrespectful to them. 9-11 was never touched upon. At least not within continuity, within a very distinct, here is where it fits in. No, but people sure got mad at that Adventures of Superman issue that came out the next day. (laughs) That was an oops. (laughs) That was also a, we could not have planned that. Yeah. (laughs) So... But I mean, how how would you put nine uh, eleven in the Superman context? How would how would you even be able begin to touch that? He could. There's no way you could you have can't. him. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's yeah. why you can't put <clears throat> Superman in politics because he, as you pointed out, would become an enemy of what he stands for. He's too ubiquitous to be ap- applied with any political message without pretty much tarnishing the character completely. Yeah, I mean. This is why I'm a firm believer in that when I pick up an issue of Superman, I don't want to read about his political views. You know, the, the, from the post-crisis era had a number of stories that dealt with hot-button issues. You had a two-part story on domestic violence. You had a full-on story talking about the right to die and, you know, teenage drinking and all of that. And those didn't bother me because they were very... Confined? Yeah, they were confined to 
something very specific to Superman. Right now, there's a story going on called Grounded, uh, which has gotten, I think, better as it's gone along. Uh, and I say that mainly because they've started bringing Iron Monroe into the picture, and that makes me happy because I love that character. But, you know, it's a story where Superman is walking America to get back in touch with the common man. Do I hate the setup for this story? Absolutely. God, that thing still upsets me to this day of the woman slapping Superman and, you know, my husband had a brain tumor and you could have done about something about a blah, 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 blah. You realize um, we haven't gotten to that on this show, right? So, Yeah, but... Anyway. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. I'm just going to put a spoiler warning in. Regardless... <laughs> Spoiler. Um, you know, it, it it is kind of a big high concept thing, but it's also the things he's dealing with, while they're big hot and button issues, it's still dealing with it in, in a small way of Superman just coming across it, talking about it, and moving on. Something like this doesn't feel right to me with Superman. He is too powerful to be doing things like this. And it's actually extremely irresponsible of Superman to get involved in these affairs because when he's off fighting Extant or fighting Darkseid and there's another um, demonstration and soldiers open fire and a lot of people get killed, what is he going to do then? It's it's why Superman should just stay away from these things altogether, to me. And some people may disagree with that. Some people may think that Superman, um, you know, should get involved in political affairs, but I, I think I've explained why I don't agree with that. But one of the main... Paul Levitt said in, I think, that History Channel, you know, Superheroes Unmasked documentary... Uh, said that one of the reasons DC didn't do stories where superheroes fought World War II and ended it in the afternoon is because the next day when people got up, it would still be there. And yeah, with spousal abuse, with child abuse, as Superman looks angrily at the reader, um, which I know you didn't like. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the problem's still there tomorrow, but at least it gets you thinking about it. You know? Here it's, well, you got to think about the people of Iran. Okay, that's fine. What about the people in my own country who are going through problems? You know, you know, sh- should I be more concerned of something going thousands of miles away, or should I be concerned about something happening up the street? You know, and, and, and Superman because of his role in the world and the universe, can't really, this is going to sound weird, he can't bother with that sort of thing. He's just got to kind of let it play out. You know? And if it's really bad, yeah, do something. But, you know, I I can't be everywhere at once, otherwise, despot. So. And I agree, I agree completely. And I want to be clear that I'm not supporting the, the what he's saying, renouncing yeah, citizenship. Am I. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it, but what I am saying, just to be absolutely clear and put it on a very tight point, is 
read the, make sure you're reading it in context before before dragging it out of there <laughs> and put and uh, kind of forming an opinion. And they're doing a second printing of Action 900. It should be relatively easy to get a hold of at your local comic shop. So do make sure that you read the story. Make your own opinion, and that's perfectly fine. But Michael and I are just stating our opinions as two readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, just just two average Superman fans. You know, I bought all three covers. I only bought the one. But I forget. Which one did you get? Uh, just the standard. Ah. The Luth, uh, Superman, uh, the Luthor profile <coughs> with Superman in the foreground. I liked the Adam Hughes one, so I really wanted that. But the Alex Ross one had a guy looking like Don Rickles. So, uh, Goody Rickles? <laughs> Goody Rickles, very na- nice. Yes. <laughs> Somebody's familiar with Jack Kirby's Superman work. <laughs> um, plus, I'm, I'm insane for variant covers. It's my new obsession. So I basically, as soon as the packages arrive, we'll have all the variant covers for like New Krypton and stuff like that. And My next step is Superman World of New Krypton variants. So... I just picture you rocking back and forth in the corner. I gotta get them all. Yeah, it's kind of like Pokemon, except less annoying. <laughs> well, Michael, uh, I, mean, I do appreciate you coming on, and this has been a great discussion. Why don't you tell the Superman Forever listeners where they can find you? Maybe a condensed uh, list. <laughs> um, if you're interested in me talking about Superman, best place to find the show is either at the Superman homepage or... Uh, Superman Podcast Network show is called From Crisis to Crisis it's two years old now Jeffrey Taylor and I have taken it upon ourselves to discuss just about every Superman story from Man of Steel number one in 86 to Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006 recently we had David on to talk about the prologue uh, issue of Panic in the Sky, and it was great having you on the show, sir. Yeah, I had a blast. That's episode 93, which you can find. Uh, actually, I believe I posted it on SupermanForever.com. And uh, if you want to hear me talking about comics in general, head over to ViewsFromTheLongBox.com. That's uh, my weekly, somewhat weekly podcast, uh, where I talk about all kinds of things. Uh, David was on that show as well. We we talked about uh, Superman's secret origin, and I found out tonight that a good friend of mine was a little jokingly perturbed at us seemingly talking bad about Smallville. Whoops. <laughs> As we were... <laughs> it was kind of funny. Um, he apparently almost called me, stopped listening, and, and like physically called me on the phone to talk to me about it. But... Um, but uh, and, uh, earlier in the in April, a guy named Chris Johnson and I discussed All Star Superman. So if you want to hear more Superman talk, we got that stuff there. Uh, and I'm also go to two and you can hear me on the Two True Freaks Comics Monthly Monday episode. It's once a month they have a comics theme show, and I'm on that too. So and a bunch of other places that would take me too long to. Uh, to go through. <laughs> My wife in the background just said, no, he has no life. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate but, you being on here. And uh, I appreciate you having me on, sir. I hope I did not ramble too much. And just remember that uh, email will be addressed to from crisis to crisis at Gmail. No, you can send them here. You can send them to mail at supermanforever.com. And let's go ahead and listen to another promo and wrap this week's episode up. 
Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com And that is episode 27 of Superman Forever Radio. I want to give a big hearty thanks to uh, Gene Fillets and Martin Richardson for joining me from Superman Requiem, as well as Michael Bailey for joining me from Crisis to Crisis, which you can find at the Superman homepage. Um, All of you made this episode wonderful to work on. This has been one of my favorite episodes of all time. I hope to kind of make more episodes like this one. And I want to give a big thanks to you for listening to Superman Forever Radio. Uh, 27 episodes strong. Keep going. And remember that I will be back tomorrow, Monday, and through Friday uh, with the SFR Daily Planet with the news of uh, from the world of Superman as it happens. The only daily Superman podcast as well as that I'm aware of. And also keep in mind, you can find me at the Walking Dorks podcast. The first episode is up. It's at thewalkingdorks.blogspot.com. And in this episode, we talk about uh, most of the free comics that we got on Free Comic Book Day, which is sort of the annual holiday for us. And uh, we also argue trades versus uh, single issues, which you know where I stand if you listen to this show. And remember that Superman Forever Radio will be back Thursday as we review uh, some of the Superman comics from 2007. It actually looks like a good lineup. I actually have four full issues because there were two issues of Batman and uh, Superman Batman. But we'll actually jump back into Last Sun with Action Comics 851, wrap up the Metal Mim with Superman Batman number 36, uh, talk about uh, some more Camelot Falls with Arion in Superman number 664, and then start a whole new storyline in Superman Batman with issue number 37. So join me Thursday for Superman Forever Radio episode 28, and then back here next week. As always, you can find the show and leave a review on iTunes. Or visit supermanforever.com. And of course, the show is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, where you can find other great Superman podcasts covering all eras of the Man of Steel at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Drop the show an email at mail at supermanforever.com or follow the show on Twitter. The username is at superman, the number four, ever. Superman forever. And you, be, you can become a fan of the show on Facebook. Simply search for supermanforever.com. And press the like button. Leave a voicemail at the call-in line, which is 703-95-SUPER. That's 703-957-8737. Superman and all related characters, the distinctive likenesses thereof, and related elements are trademarks of DC Comics, a Warner Brothers Entertainment Company. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and no profit is made from the images or related properties belonging to DC Comics or Warner Brothers Entertainment. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Until next episode, keep on fighting the never-ending battle.